Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? All right. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. I think you're doing a little bit better. Yes. So good to see you guys. What an awesome day. Happy Sunday. I love Sunday. It's a great day of the week because we get to be together, worshiping the Lord, coming together. How many of you enjoyed that video that we watched right there? Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. So that's put on by uh, some guys called The Bible Project. And if you liked that a lot, then I want to encourage you in September, we're going to launch a campaign for joy groups. And we're going to be actually using some of those videos in our joy groups and going through some of those together. So if you're excited about that, if that was cool, and you learned a lot and you like that, then don't miss joy groups in the fall. And that's a little teaser for those of us in August who are at church in the summer. That makes you more of a Christian, doesn't it? <laughs> Others are out enjoying things like sunshine and lakes and things like that. But we are here in church. Uh, anyways, uh, I actually prefer being here in church than out on the lake. Most of you would know that, but I'm excited so we're in a brand new series we started last week called Give It Away, and we're learning about this new way to be human, this new way that Jesus invited us to live our lives in juxtaposition to the way that maybe our natural senses call us to live. So the way of the world is kind of the, the law of the jungle, like get power and oppress people and put your, your needs and desires first and protect your family and make sure everybody else is on the outside and get yours first and then maybe help somebody else if you possibly can. How many of you know this is the way the world actually works right now, right? This is the dog eat dog, uh, the rat race, right? The climbing the corporate ladder. This is the way things work. But as we learned last week in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, if you uh, try to save your life, you're going to lose it. If you pursue this life where you're building up yourself, you're living this self-aggrandizing life, like you're gonna end up losing it. So this way that seems right to you, it actually ends up in death. But he says, if you'll follow me and take up your cross, if you will lose your life for my sake, you will find it. And Jesus says, there's a brand new way to live, a brand new way to be human. And so in this series, Give It Away, we're learning how to give our lives away, but not just for any cause, not just for any reason, but giving them away for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. And what's really exciting about this is that we find out when we will give our lives to Christ, not just in a religious sense, right? Not just in a, I prayed a little prayer and Jesus came and lived in my heart. Little Jesus in my little heart. I opened the door to my heart and he's right there, right? Not in just that way, but when we give our lives to Jesus in a, in a, in a co comprehensive, holistic way, meaning that I gave my marriage to Jesus. I gave my finances to Jesus, I gave my politics to Jesus. Help us, Jesus, right? I gave my football team to Jesus. Go Ducks, all right. We, you know, just making sure, yeah. Sorry, I had to slip that in there. I mean, the Ducks are God's team. I think we're in agreement, right? It's, it's, it's a very humble animal. It's not like a lion or a tiger. It's a duck. I mean, it hurts no one in real life, but on the football field, they're warriors. Anyways, we give our life to Jesus. When we will give our lives to Christ holistically, comprehensively, he actually leads us to fulfillment and satisfaction. So we're learning about this and how... We can give our lives away in the areas of radical service, in the areas of generosity. And then today what we're going to talk about is in this area of justice. How many of you learned a lot in that six minute video? Just picked up a lot, right? Isn't it amazing how much content and information you can get in a six minute video? I'm going to show you how little somebody can do with 30 minutes. It's really amazing. <laughs> Just for you to get that, that contrast and really appreciate it. What we, what we heard in the video, though, and what we see biblically is that there are really two types of, of justice. There's retributive justice, and then there's restorative justice. Now, typically, in, in the way that we use the word justice or the word fairness or that, you know, what is right, you know, holding someone accountable, these kind of concepts are predominantly concerned with retributive justice. 
And I find that in culture and society today, and really every human, and you see this from little kids on up, is that people are really concerned with making sure that things are fair. How many of you have young kids? And uh, what do you hear quite often? That's not fair. Now, we as adults say that all the time too. We just maybe don't vocalize it. But on the inside, we're like, Bob hasn't been working here as long as I have. And he got the promotion. That's not fair. You know, this person is, they they get to lead a joy group. I know them. You know, I knew them two years ago and they were drunk as a skunk, you know, and like, what's going on? That's not fair. And we, we compare, right? And we're all about this retributive justice. If you do something wrong, we got to hold them accountable, make sure that they pay for their crimes. And there's, it's not necessarily something wrong with retributive justice, but we're, we're only getting one side of the heart of God. If that's all that we think about and all that we're concerned with, and what I find to be interesting is it's really, really tough for fallen human beings who ourselves have been hurt, but we've also hurt other people, it's really hard for us to put ourselves as the judge and the jury because we don't always get it right. In fact, I think we would have to say, honestly, we get it wrong more than we get it right because we want to hold other people accountable and we want things to be fair. But what I've found in the human experience is that nobody really wants fairness, not actually, because somebody in Somalia could look at us and say, man, it's not fair that you have all that you have and I have what I have. This my lot in life is so much lower, so much less, but we don't go, you're right, it's not fair. Here, let me, let me de-escalate myself to your level. Come on, somebody. So we want it to be fair when it's something against us, but when it, fairness would actually bring you down a few notches, we, would, we don't want it, do we? And so we're missing something here. When you just talk about retributive justice alone, it's really not reflective of the heart of God, not, not holistically, not completely. I want us to look into the book of Micah. They read the scripture in the verse, but... Micah was a prophet thousands of years ago, and he's speaking to the nation of Israel. And it's interesting because they're talking about these concepts, this idea of justice and fairness, and how can we, how can we get this right? And if you're only thinking in a retributive justice kind of a sense, then everything that comes to religion is always about appeasing an angry God. Because we've done wrong things, we've hurt people. And so when a lot of people think of Christianity this way, it's like, well, if I come to God, I need to give him something in order to make myself right with him. And so this is what the ancient Israelites were saying. And Micah, the prophet, is putting this rhetorical question uh, on pen to paper. And he says, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, for the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? In other words, what can I give to God? What sacrifice, what offering? In this culture, it's rams. In our culture, it's Dodge rams. You know, it's uh, people that like Fords are like, ah, whatever. But we, we, what are we going to give to God? Well, I'll go to church every week. I won't watch the rated MA shows on Netflix. Like, Lord, I'll, I won't, you know, retweet that thing that I wanted to. Like, I won't, you know, shout, do whatever it is. And we, we think that we can, there's something that we can give to God. If I go to church every Sunday, like I'm bringing an offering And we're thinking about God as this angry being that we need to appease through some religious action. Micah says, wait a second, you guys are missing it. He says, that's religion. Religion is about appeasing an angry God, but there's something different when you talk about having a relationship with the real God. This is what it looks like. And Micah says this, he has told you, oh man, what is good? What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? These famous words, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. See, religion is about appeasing an angry God. It's about retributive justice. I've done wrong. I have to pay it back. 
and make God happy with me. But, but honestly, God is so good and so gracious and so amazing. And there's another side to his heart of this restorative justice. And God doesn't want you to appease him. He wants you to walk in relationship with him and begin to capture and connect with his heart. So religion is about appeasing an angry God, but relationship is about participating with a loving God to bring his love and his goodness into the world. See, what it truly means to be a Christian is not that you personally would just get right with God and pay for your own sins and basically now be inside the inner circle, be in the, the club with God and God and I are good and we're okay. That's a very exclusive perspective that is actually antithetical to the real gospel, which is this, that God is so good and so loving that yes, he wants to bring you into his family. Yes, he wants to bring you into his inner circle, but he doesn't want you to just sit in there and like, now you're okay, we're okay and everything's good. He wants to let his goodness and grace flow through our lives into the world around us. And that's what Micah is talking about. He's talking about restorative justice, restorative justice. Now this makes sense when you know the story of the Bible, when you go back all the way to the very beginning, when God created mankind, when he created Adam and Eve in the garden, he said, I want you to tend and keep the garden. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. And he gave them purpose. They were to extend God's kingdom. If you know the imagery of what the garden represents, it was basically the intersection of heaven and earth that this God living in the spiritual realm is going to connect with people and he's going to operate on earth. And these two realms are going to come together in this place called the Garden of Eden. And he wanted them to extend that rule and that reign of God's goodness and his fellowship and all this good stuff out into the world. But sin came into the story and interrupted that cycle. And all of a sudden it became, he said, she said, we did, they did, I owe you, you owe me. Let's fight to the death, retributive justice, right? But if you go back to the beginning of the story, what God intended was for human beings to be his image bearers, that they were to reflect the nature of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God out into the world around them. So when you talk about being a Christian, it's not like, hey, pray this prayer, go to church three times, 3.2 times a month, make sure you, you check all the boxes that you read your Bible reading plan. Like that's not what being a Christian is. Being a Christian is being brought back into that relationship with God, not appeasing an angry God, but participating with a loving God. Restorative justice. Restorative justice is a concept we want to talk about today as we talk about giving our life away and living for this kind of justice, being those image bearers to reflect God's goodness into the world. And restorative justice really is concerned with elevating the plight of the lowly. Elevating the plight of the lowly. And they demonstrated this so well in the video where talked about the, the different ways that we can participate in, in, in injustice. And so all of us have been perhaps unjust to another human being and oppress them in some way or another uh, actively, right? But then also we've maybe received benefits from being part of unjust systems, right? Where we, you know, we didn't actively oppress someone, but somebody was being oppressed by another and we benefited from that. And we've also been oppressed. So we've experienced, right? All of the different sides of this. But how many of you would say, I, I don't like it when I'm the one who's on the, the bottom rung, right? My dad used to tease about the, the totem poles, right? You'd always have the guy on top always had a big smile on the totem pole and then everybody else was like squished. And you go, that's what it feels like to work at, you know, Amco or whatever. You, you know, you're always at the, you know, trying to get up that totem pole. But we, we want to participate as image bearers in elevating the plight of the lowly. Whenever we find or encounter oppression or injustice that we don't just simply walk on by and ignore it, but we say, you know what? I'm called to get involved. 
Uh, my calling as a follower of Jesus isn't just about learning how to sing whatever the latest top 25 Hillsong worship songs are and reading precious moment devotionals on a daily basis. My, my, my job as a Christian is not to receive sermonettes for Christianettes. My job as a Christian isn't to find out, you know, what did Pastor Jake say this week and take really good notes and then, and then nothing else. Like, that's not it. Every single one of you is made in the image of God. All of us have a mission and a job. That's why we're here. Collectively, as the church, we have a mission to accomplish. And part of it is this thing about restorative justice, that we're to elevate the plight of the lowly. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 25. He said, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats, the bad ones, on his left. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be here all week. All right. <laughs> Jesus separates the sheep and the goats. How many of you are like, I think I'll take the right hand, uh, Bob Barker. I want to go to that. I'll take this one over here, right? I want to be on the right hand of Jesus. I don't really want to experience what the goats are all about when Jesus does the separating. This passage simultaneously excites me and terrifies me. It's like when I asked Bethany to go out with me, right? Simultaneously excited and terrified, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because Jesus has actually given us some pretty heavy stuff right here. He says, man, when, when the Son of Man comes back, when Jesus comes back to basically set everything into order, he's gonna, there's going to be a separation. Now, right away, if you've got a religious mindset, you're thinking, okay, how do I get on the right side of God? That's what you're thinking, aren't you? That's what I would think. Like, okay, man, Jesus is coming back. I need to make sure every time I feel like the airplane's going to crash, I always pray the sinner's prayer. Anybody with me? Turbulence? Good, 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 good. Jesus, please forgive me all my sins. Oh, Lord Jesus, please forgive me for what I thought about that person sitting right next to me. They're like, did you realize you were praying out loud? <laughs> because our... The thing is, man, I got to get on the right side of God. If he's coming back to hold account, I know that I better make sure that I'm, I'm all good, right? And Jesus says, hold on a second. What you think makes you right with God isn't what makes you right with God. And he goes on. He says in verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. 2018 translation. There's a party and you're invited. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked. If you're from the South, you were naked. If you're from Springfield, you can be naked too, right? People out there, Thurston, right? There's a certain accent. You can be naked and cross the creek and cut down a tree and get it right to the root. You know what I mean? If you're from Eugene, you're just naked. But, you, but if Thurston, naked. So I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I'm from Southern Oregon. So if you, if I tease about being a hick, yeah, yeah. Have you ever watched an entire NASCAR race? You might be a redneck. Okay. <laughs> I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones. See, God's definition of what makes a person righteous isn't that you, you read all your precious moments devotional. Well, God, I was at church every Sunday. I mean, okay, sure, that's good. But that's not what makes you righteous. See, righteousness is about being right with God and right with people. And being right with God and right with people are really two sides of the same coin. 
Because if you're really right with God, you're not gonna participate in injustice. If you're really right with God, you're gonna carry his values and his, his commandments and his heartbeat into the world, right? And Jesus says, the righteous ones will reply, verse 37, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked or even naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And what is righteousness? Well, I, I don't swear. Well, good for you, but that doesn't make you righteous. It doesn't make you right with God. Well, I don't watch the shows that you're not supposed to watch. That's good, but that doesn't make you a good person. It doesn't mean that you're right with God. What makes you righteous is when you, your heart begins to look like his heart. You see, what makes my son Jack? Jack Schmelzer versus Jack whatever else. He's of me. He, he's not just like living in my house. My kids don't inherit, they don't become a schmelzer because they occupy a physical space. Uh, they, don't, they don't have a characteristic of, of identity just because I love them. That's not what makes them part of my family. They are of me. They're literally of me. I tell my kids, you are half me, right? <laughs> They're like, I wish I was more of mom, but you know, whatever, that's what you get, half and half. And my offspring, they are like me. When, it, when we talk about being a child of God, it means you are of him. Do you look like your father? Does the same blood flow through your veins? Come on, do you begin to look like God? And, and Jesus says, listen, listen, you, the way that you love my kids, that my brothers and sisters, the least of these, when they are down, that's what makes you righteous. That when you look like God, now maybe you're thinking, okay, man, we need to get out of church and we need to go you know, start a homeless shelter and do all this kind of stuff. Well, that's a good thing to do, but no, that's not the whole thing. You're not earning your way. You're reflecting God's heart. And it, you can, there's a lot of people in the world that are trying to do as much good as they can and their heart is just as rotten to the core as possible because what they're trying to do is validate themselves before God. You can do the right thing, but from the wrong heart and you're not gonna receive the, the, the word of Jesus. Hey, righteous one, you're on my right hand. Because see, we don't earn it. We either look like God, we've either embraced it and taken on his heart and we're reflecting his goodness and love. The goodness and grace of God that has come to us is now going through us. And that's what Jesus says righteousness looks like. So how can we respond to this? How many of you would say, man, I want to be righteous and I want to be somebody, I mean, righteous sounds cool too, right? Like, dude, that's righteous. How many of you want to be right with God and right with other people and be, come on, you can raise your hand, participation prize today, right? I, I want to be somebody that God's goodness flows through me into the world, that the places that I walk into, when I walk into the room, it's not like, oh man, you know, everything's the same. But no, the people begin to feel the, the grace and the presence of God coming through me, his goodness. I'm reflecting it into the world. How can we respond to this? I want to give you four things this morning. Number one, we got to make it personal. Make it personal. Have you ever heard this phrase? It's not, it's just business. It's not personal. How many of you know when you hear that phrase, it is personal? <laughs> How many of you ever said that to somebody? Oh, it's not personal. It's just business. You say it like this, it makes it better. <laughs> Business. The closer your teeth are together when you say that word, the better it sounds. It's not personal. <laughs> Business. <laughs> there is so little air coming through my mouth right now. And when you hear that, you go, yeah, right. It's always personal. Right? And, and what, if, what if we 
without even thinking about it, are taking on this mindset in the way that we treat other people. But we know it's not true. Other people are God's children just as much as you are. I want you to think about how you would want your children, your physical offspring to be treated if they were cast down, if they were addicted to drugs, if they were in prison, if they had made horrible mistakes, if your kids were astray and they were wandering. Maybe some of you are even in this boat and you have a child who's kind of out on the edge, on the fringe. And what do you want? You want a Christian to come by and say, man, get your life together. You're a mess. Or would you really like it if somebody acted a little bit more like Jesus and got down, put their arms around him and said, listen, I know things are bad for you right now, but I know who you really are. How would you like somebody to treat your children? Why do you think God cares about this so much? God doesn't ever say it's just business. It's always personal because every person belongs to him. Other people are God's children. And so justice, my friends, is a personal responsibility. It's not just a political one. I'm gonna like go ahead and offend everybody from all stripes of politics today. Is that okay? All right, equal opportunity offense coming your way in just a second. One of the things that we love to do uh, unfortunately, is we like to kick the can when it comes to justice and we turn it into something that's a politician's responsibility. It's a mayor's responsibility, a president's responsibility, a nation's responsibility. And Jesus comes and he pulls the rug out from under us and says, it's not a government's responsibility to provide justice. It's my people's responsibility to provide justice. And let me just tell you right now, you go, man, well, yeah, he's talking about the, the left or he's talking about the right. No, I'm not talking about the left or the right. You want me to say who's wrong in politics? Everybody. Because all of us are broken and flawed. Whatever side of the aisle you sit upon and think you're right and righteous and better and who you voted for was definitely Jesus' candidate. Let me just give you a newsflash because I know a lot of you, some of you think that, man, if Hillary would have got in, then Jesus would have won. Some of you think that now that Trump got in, that Jesus won. Jesus doesn't win with either party. Jesus was already the winner, right? Do you know who, when Jesus wins, when his people begin to look like him and embrace him, whoever the heck is sitting on the throne of whatever nation it happens to be, because throughout history, there's been governments and pastors, or yeah, pastors sometimes are the problem. <laughs> Presidents, pastors, you know, magistrates, the governor, the Roman emperor, whoever it is, and yet God still is the king. And God still, what he says is right is right. And so listen, we can't just say, well, if my candidate would have gotten in or my candidate was on the throne or if this party gets in power, then justice will happen. That's kicking the can and it's cowardly. When are we going to be warriors for justice? When we get the person that we want sitting on the throne? Well, when we get power, then things will change. That's an anti-Christian perspective. Do you know when the kingdom of God really actually grows the most? It's when things on the external world are in most in juxtaposition to it. When things are oppressive, because in the darkness, the light shines even brighter. And so as followers of Jesus, we can't just say, well, I'm just going to kick the can and justice is somebody else's responsibility. The word of Jesus to us today is, no, it's your responsibility. It is personal. It's not just business. And we, don't need it. we can't get caught up in the idolatry of thinking, well, you know, once we win this battle in this political race or whatever, that's not how it goes, you guys. Justice is a personal responsibility for those of us as followers of Jesus. We're called, again, to be ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. And I don't care what side of the political aisle you sit on, left, right, in the middle, green, yellow, whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever you are, you know, we, we think, well, the way I see it is the way God sees it. And let me just give you a newsflash. That's not true. All of us are wrong and broken and flawed in some way. Come on. So we got to make it personal. Take a personal responsibility. Everybody is God's child. We're looking to elevate and provide restorative 
justice. Number two, we need to use our voice. You can't sit it out. Well, I'm just going to wait till this trouble passes and I'm not going to get involved. No, you're called to use your voice. You're called to put your reputation and your, your business and your, uh, your family. You're called to put your life on the line to serve and to elevate people. You see, we're either actually in a real battle for the souls and the hearts and minds of real people or we're not. And if we're not, then all of what we're doing here is just a big facade and ceremony in a game. But I don't believe that. I don't wake up early on Sundays and come to church because it's the funnest thing to do. In a couple of weeks, there will be actual real football games on TV at this exact moment. Did you realize that? So, I mean, like that's more fun for me, for you, for a lot of you, right? You could be eating brunch right now. There's a lot of things you could be doing, right? You could be eating Eggs Benedict. <laughs> I say. There's a lot of things we could be doing. So what are we doing here? Why are we here? Because there is a God and he has a plan for this universe and we want to learn what it is and participate with him. We're here to worship him. We're here to honor him. We're here to connect with his heart. We're here to grow. We're here to be followers of Jesus. We're here to see a city transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not a social club. Come on, somebody. And so we can't sit it out. Well, I'll just wait and see. I'll let the professional pastors and professional ministers and the Christians that are qualified do the work. I'll let everybody else say their thing. No, God gave you a voice and he wants you to use it. In Proverbs 31, he says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. You can't sit on the sideline. You got to get in the game. You want to follow Jesus. You got to get involved. Now, I told you I was going to offend people on both sides of the political spectrum, and I'm going to. See, one of the things we love to do is we love to be selectively indignant. Selective indignance is where I get really upset about injustice that helps my political views seem to be right or correct, but I don't give a rat's rear end about oppression and injustice if it doesn't feed my power base. Come on, somebody. So listen, there's a lot of Christians in here, and again, I'm gonna hit both sides. So if you get offended first, just the other side's gonna get offended next, okay? Some, some people are like, man, we, we got to defend, you know, immigrants and we got to stand up for people, you know, borders, and all this kind of stuff. And if you don't, you know, do that, then you're, you don't even love Jesus and you're crap and all this kind of stuff. And somebody comes and says, well, what about the unborn? No. Next. We got to protect the unborn. These are real human beings. These are lives. What about people coming across the border and eating it? No. Screw them. Come on. Everybody okay? We all right? Well, Pastor Jake, you're just making it too simple. There's other things. I know, I know. Here's what I want to get to, though. I'm not trying to go after your politics. I'm trying to go after your heart. I want to hit you where the good Lord split you. Come on, I want to, I want to get right to where it matters. Because here's the thing. All of us are comfortable to be selectively indignant about some injustice somewhere. But God doesn't want us to make it political. He wants to make it personal. And he wants us to get involved and invested, not politically, not necessarily there, but personally to care. And I'm not saying you turn your brain off and you don't use wisdom and all this kind of stuff. And again, I said, I'm going to offend everybody here today. All of us are doing it in some way. You know, we might be like really offended about stuff happening on a global level, but we don't care about our neighbor. We might be selectively indignant. And God is saying, come on, open your heart and mind. If you're going to be indignant, be indignant even at your own self for participating in injustice and begin to be somebody that elevates 
that brings restorative justice. Speak up. You can't sit it out. You got to get in the game. One of the guys that's just absolutely my hero because he's a beast freak warrior of righteousness is my dad. Come on. You know what a beast freak warrior is? Mm, yeah, like my dad is a warrior. My dad is a, a pastor. I know pastors are supposed to be gentle shepherd. My dad's a German shepherd. And my dad, like I've watched him through the years stand up for people being oppressed. And I don't mean stand up like, um, hi, I'm a pastor in town and I'd, I'd like you to, to please stop that, what you're doing. No, I'm talking about getting physically involved. One day we were driving up after church in our 1987 Chevy uh, Suburban, which is a tank without a gun, right? It's just it's the most metal you can put into one vehicle that, and have it still actually drive down the road. And I remember we were pulling up to a Kenny Rogers Roasters. You guys know, remember Kenny Rogers Roasters, that restaurant? Talking islands in the stream. That is what we are. Kenny Rogers, you got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Okay, so Kenny Rogers Roasters, we're pulling up. I think I stepped on a junior mint. That's the <laughs> dangers of being in a movie theater. <laughs> Kenny Rogers Roasters and my dad, he's driving and he spots somebody beating up like an older guy. And, and this big altercation going on, and, and we didn't even see it, but all of a sudden, my dad is just leaps out of the car, doesn't put the brake on, doesn't park. My Italian mom has to jump over Italian ninja and slam on the brake so we don't crash. My dad is running, screaming, into Kenny Rogers Roasters. He basically kicks down the door, and this guy is pounding this other guy, and my dad gets right in his face, and he goes, do you want a piece of me? <laughs> and the fight was over, right? It was like, we're done. Everybody go home, right? Collect your participation prize and go home. My dad is like the opposite of what a lot of times as men in the church, we think Christian men are supposed to be. See, we, we have this whole perception that like Christian men, like that means you're being nice. So, you know, you wear your pastel today to come to church? I did. <laughs> have you done your manscaping? Yes, my eyebrows and all. Man, we say, one of the things you say about Christian men is that like, he's such a nice guy. I don't care if you think I'm nice. You know what I care about? I hope you think I'm a, I have courage. Come on, any men in the house? And I know women, you can have courage too. This isn't a gender thing, but I just want to speak to this, this image that's been placed upon Christian men that we're, that we're supposed to be like these docile, like well-groomed, kind of like weak, meek little guys, right? And listen, I'm just telling you, God gave you muscles. I tell my son, Jack, because he'll like pop off and slam one of the girls, you know, he's only four. <laughs> So he, right now he's just like all this, he's like Hulk, right? And all this power that he has as a four-year-old boy. He's like, dad, I'm stronger than you. I'm like, no, you're not. Anyways, but you will be. So be, I'm going to be nice to you. Um, Jack will like haul off and pff, enact justice on Penelope, you know, <laughs> three-year-old sister. Evie's a little tougher. She's street, man. She don't play with her, right? <laughs> Evie will cut you, right? She's, you don't play. But Jack will go after Penelope. And I'm like, son, I'm like, no, we don't, you don't hit your sister. God gave you these muscles and your strength to protect people. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, until the next time. <laughs> God gave you strength to stand up for the oppressed. Not just guys, women. God gave you strength, grace, love, courage. God gave it to you to stand up for the oppressed, not oppress, not hurt other people. God wants us to get in the game, not just sit it out, not just be too afraid to jump in but to use our voice, to put ourselves on the line, to actually step out in benefit of another human being. Number three, how do we respond to this message today? We need to put our money where our mouth is. Let me ask you a dangerous question. Does your bank statement reflect a heart for justice in God's kingdom? 
I already offended both sides of the political spectrum, so I'll start offending generations now. <laughs> Let me talk to the millennials in the room. Millennials and Generation Y, Generation Z, young people. Young people love to be all up on Twitter, all up on it, whatever that means. You know, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter face, all of them. You know, getting on there. Instagram, you know, getting on there. It's the new one. You didn't know about that? It's brand new. It's not. Uh, get on there. And man, this politician sucks and this person sucks and you suck and all this, everyone sucks, right? And, and so indignant. And it's like being a warrior, right? Being a, being a tiger when it comes to social media. And then when it comes time to like actually give your resources financially, invest in your church and in justice and give it to God, like you're, you're just a little tiny kitty. Come on. This generation's got to learn, man. We got to put our money where our mouth is and invest in what we want to see. One of the things you might, young people might look at older people in the church and be like, well, they're not really as active as we are. They're not as passionate. Listen, I know a lot of the older people in this church that really are passionate. They don't maybe scream as loud on Sunday, but they put, they put their money where their mouth is to invest in the kingdom of God and God's purposes and establishing them around the world. Hello, come on. So listen, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, what are you talking about? You're just talking about getting my money. No, I'm saying ask God to give you a generous heart to be obedient with your finances, to invest in his kingdom purposes. Is one of the places you can do that is here at your church. My wife and I, Bethany, we, we give our tithe to the Lord. 10% of everything we get, we give right away into the church, right? And I encourage people to give. I don't get a raise if you guys give more. Our church doesn't need more money. We're not hurting financially. Do you know why I'm talking about this? Because we need to follow Jesus in this area. When we talk about establishing justice, man, if we're like more concerned with did Netflix drop my stream uh, you know, tonight as I watch my thing, rather than the poor and the disenfranchised in our country and around the world, we got a problem of our priorities. And Jesus isn't saying, well, you get a free pass because that show was really cool. We can practice generosity right here, right here in our church. Our church is an agency of justice. Our church right here, Joy Church, our mission is to reach people with the gospel in the city of Eugene. And the gospel doesn't just mean that people pray a prayer and then we move on. It means that everything gets elevated, that we begin to see life transformation and the poor are elevated. The addicted are set free. Come on, the demon possessed are set free. Come on, that the kids that don't have parents get parents, that we invest in making this place look more like heaven. I'm talking about what the church of Jesus is meant to be, not a social club on Sundays that people go and dress up nice and wear pastel and say, you're nice, you're nice, you're nice. Come on, somebody. All right, that was a weak sauce response. I'm just going to tell you right now, because I'm preaching like a beast freak warrior right now. And I know I have skinny jeans on, but I'm a beast freak. All right, let's move on. Beyond money though, beyond money, are we actively participating in justice and restorative justice in our community? And last, last here, not least, but last, number four, we need to think globally and act locally. Think globally, but act locally. One of the things we can get caught in is a trap of being incensed and outraged at the injustice that's going on outside of our ability to influence it or contribute to the change. So it's so easy to be like, well, this is what's happening down here. This is what's happening over here in this country. This is what's happening in Washington, D.C. And you know what that does? It gives us a free pass to feel good about ourselves and not do anything for the neighbor next door, a single mom with two boys that we could take to get an ice cream cone, teach them how to fish and maybe teach them. Come on. It makes us look, it makes us feel better, but we're making no contribution. And so what we need to do is, yeah, be upset about injustice and get passionate about injustice, but invest in your community, invest in your church, invest in your neighborhood, invest in your family. 
Yeah, but they're not going to listen to me, my neighbors. No, come on, you got to have courage. God has called you. Men, women, what has God told you to do? Not appease an angry God. No, God already loves you so much. You don't need to appease him. He wants you to participate with him to make this city, this place look like heaven. Does Eugene, Oregon, does Lane County, does Springfield, does Thurston, does it look like heaven yet? What's the answer? So are we done? No. Come on, we got a mission. Let me just tell you, you might be tired as a Christian, but you should never be bored. You might need a vacation as a Christian, but you should never be bored. You should never be like, I don't know what it is to be a Christian today. It's not Sunday, so I can't be a Christian. This thing happening here is to get you jacked the freak up. Right here, this is to get us jacked up in the presence of God, to go out and love people and bring the gospel into this city. Are you with me? Come on, does anybody in here wanna be the church or you just wanna go to church? Does anybody here wanna follow Jesus into this city? Let me just tell you, the, I know I'm out of time. I know that, but I'm just gonna keep preaching for just two more minutes. The very first message that we preached took place on Colony Oaks Drive, South Eugene, up in the hills. There was about 20 people, 29 people, including kids. We had a bunch of butt ugly metal chairs. We had absolutely no money. We had very, very few people. There was just a few of us that are in here that were at that, that meeting. And the very first message we preached was about the city of Nineveh, where Jonah went and, and he was all ticked because God wanted to show mercy. And God says, Jonah, don't you give, don't you care about the 220,000 lost people in this city and a great amount of animals? God's an animal lover too, if you know that story. And Jonah's all ticked because a tree got, he lost his shade. And God says, let me get your heart, Jonah. It's about these people in the city. Did you know that there's over 200,000 people that are lost in this county, in this place? And God wants to get a hold of our heart, church. God wants to get a hold of us and say, it's not about coming on Sundays and just having a nice service. It's about us getting passionate, connected with God's heart, receiving his grace, receiving his gospel and going out into the world and letting it shine. Come on, let it shine. Let it shine. So here's the bottom line today. I wanna leave you with this. I know I'm passionate. This is the real me, folks. I tell a lot of jokes, but let me just tell you, I'm passionate for God's kingdom to come in this place. The bottom line is this, how can I change? What can I change in my life right now to put this truth into motion? You should never come to church on a Sunday and think, oh, I'm just gonna hear a nice message and go home. This is a dangerous place to be because you're gonna hear truth and hear the word of God. And if it touches you and gets in that right spot, it's gonna change something in you. And so what we should ask is this, what can I change in my life right now to respond to this truth? What can I change? Maybe for some of us, that's just to open our thoughts and our hearts to take this word in. It's a big word. It's a tough word. It's challenging and say, God, I don't see it, but I want to see it. God, would you open my life to see it? Maybe that would be for us to begin a, to look at our neighborhood and begin to map out and think, where is injustice taking place? Where's the family that needs some help? Where, where's the, the coworker that's been beat up and bullied and all this kind of stuff, and who needs a friend? And we can stop being such cowards as Christians and stop putting it off on politicians and start saying, I'm a son of God, I'm a daughter of God. It's my responsibility. And we can begin to be those ambassadors of God's kingdom in our place.